five, four, three. And welcome back to another installment of Not the Public Podcast. Bruce Dobigan with you, joined by Maurice Dobigan. Uh, here uh, for another broadcast, and uh, we'll have some news at the end of the uh, podcast about uh, some upcoming developments, uh, hopefully some moves towards Sirius Radio, and uh, we'll let you know about that as we get more information. But for now, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the big week. What? But we're not Sirius Radio now. We're This is Sirius Radio. Sirius, but not S-I-R-I-U-S Radio. Oh, you should have said that at the beginning. S-E-R-I-O-U-S is what we're confusing me. You're confusing me. self-serious or too serious radio. We take ourselves very seriously. Exactly. Very seriously. Um, interesting kind of 10 days. We had NHL free agency. We had NBA free agency. Uh, NHL free agency, the big star of the day was Steve Stamkos. Question was, would he go home to Toronto? Decided to stay where he was in Tampa. Took a little less money to stay in Tampa. Not the case in the NBA. We're starting to see something developing in the NBA that's different from the NHL. And, of course, a great example of that is Kevin Durant, the star of the Oklahoma City Thunder, uh, has decided to take his talents to the Bay Area and go and play for the Golden State Warriors, who, of course, were already a record-setting team this year. It, it's a, it boggles the mind to, to think how good they're going to be this year with Kevin Durant. But a lot of people are upset, Reese, because they're saying... You know, it shouldn't be. It's not fair. I mean, it's not fair. They lost a lot of games. They got Durant in the draft. Somehow, we can't lose these guys to bigger markets. Your thought? Uh, don't hate the player. Hate the game. That's what I would say. <laughs> the system. Yeah. Well, game in the system. You're you're talking about a sports league that is going to be making what? I think it's. $25 billion television deal coming up here soon? A year. A, it's, it's, I don't think it's a year. Is it a year per yeah, year? They're getting, they're, they're, uh, they're getting an extra $20 million on everyone's salary cap. So right. whatever that is times 30. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. So you're talking about piles and piles of money. And when you have piles and piles of money in a sport where there's only five guys on the court and the mm-hmm. best guy on the court is the biggest difference between anybody and winning you're gonna have those piles of money being thrown at those players that's just the reality that's the reality of the the sports landscape now but do you think it's the i think the thing that's significant about the durant thing in the nhl money still matters to these guys because they're not making that it's eight million dollars a year i think maybe somebody's close to 10 in the nhl at the moment but nobody's making 25 to 30 million dollars a year i think what's happened in the nba is there's so much money now What's it matter, a million here or there? Guys want to go where there's the opportunity to win. And I think that's what's sort of setting the NBA apart from the NHL and right now MLB and to a certain extent the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree with you 100%. Um, You know, and again, I think the dynamics of the sport make that an easier sell. It it, It makes it a simpler proposition. I go to Golden State, I'm going to have a better chance of winning. I go to Toronto if I'm Steven Stamkos, eh, not so much. You know, yeah. even if they are, even if they were a loaded team, um, there's five guys on the court, man, and when two of those other guys who are going to be Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, and you're Kevin Durant, I mean that's that's not that's not an easy or that's a very easy decision to make if you're 
about winning if you yeah. want to win titles, and yeah. Kevin Durant hasn't won one. Yeah, but people are saying it's not fair to Oklahoma City. People are saying, come on, you know, they've got everything else in the Bay. We should be able to keep our guys. Oh, well, you, so and you'd sad. hear that. You'd hear that in the NHL from a Calgary or an Edmonton or a Winnipeg. Uh, you know, the NBA is the same. Uh, the NFL, because there's so much money washing through everybody, is, is not quite the same comparison. Mm-hmm. Baseball, you could say, uh, you know, Tampa can't hang on to its guys. The Tampa Rays. Yeah, but hey, so. it, it, OKC guys, like. Golden State was worse more recently than you were. Right. Like, OKC, when they got Kevin Durant, he came around before Steph Curry. They they were good. OKC, or, or Golden State wasn't. So, you know, they're crying and whining and all that. Give me a break. That's the that's the reality of the sport. Kevin Durant and, Bri- and uh, Russell Westbrook couldn't get it done together. And now Kevin Durant has realized that, and he's going to a place that has been able to get it done more recently. Yeah, but people would say, oh, that's easy for you. You don't live in Oklahoma City. Thank you're not, God. You're not in, well, it's not a bad place. I've never you, been there. I'm sorry. You're not, you're not invested in the team the way we are. Our hearts and souls are all tied up in it. Well, I would agree. Absolutely. I would agree with them there. But I'm a sports fan just the way they're a sports fan. But, you know, I think that we got to be rational about this. You know, don't don't be a sporty fan. Don't be a don't be a fanatic. Be realistic. You understand the way the sports work. If you've been paying attention to sports for any amount of time, you should understand this is how sports work. Mm. One team wins at the end of every year. Yeah, but the, uh, the owners and the GMs don't seem to grasp that. I remember interviewing Harry Sinden from the Bruins. He ran the Boston Bruins for a long time. He said the problem with the NHL is there's 30 teams and there's only one Stanley Cup. And every owner thinks he's going to win the Stanley Cup every year. And I think there's a certain amount of d- disappointment that comes with that. Uh, you know me for a long time, and I'm working on a book about this, but for a long time I've been advocating smaller leagues. We, or if we have big leagues, if you're going to have 30 teams, why not have 40 and then divide them into two divisions and then have relegation, promotion, etc. But right now, the idea of having 30 teams, trying to keep everybody happy, trying to keep a superstar in a town like that, like OKC or like uh, you know Winnipeg in, in the NHL, it's just it's it's just getting so contrived. And, and, and listen, I understand Kevin Durant why he's gone. I also understand how disappointing it is for OKC. Now there's there's talks that they're just going to like clear the roster and just and just play to try and get up at the top of the draft again. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't blame them when when your golden goose dies. So to, you know what I mean? What do you you sell the farm? You you go you find somewhere else. You find new golden goose. I, I I mean, there's there's been a lot of word about the reasoning for why he did it. Uh, I think it has a lot more to do with Russell Westbrook and the fact that they couldn't get it done together right. than uh, than anything else, personally. But um, I, I I agree with you about the sports leagues. Uh, there's a there was a great article, uh, 538.com, great website. They they analyze sport from a statistical standpoint. If you've never gone there, check it out. Uh, it's great. They did an article that essentially said that the number of games you need to play in all the major leagues in North America, to know which teams are essentially the cream rises to the top, right. should be playoff worthy, the amount of data you can gather from the number of games. In baseball, it's 160. So they have to play 162 right. games to know who should be in the playoffs. In the NFL, it was something like 12. So you got to play almost 16 games to really know who's going to be playoff so, worthy. So 12 games really... Honestly, separates the, the the losers and the winners in the NFL. Is that what they're saying? That's twelve a, used to be the old. Used to be twelve and then fourteen and now sixteen. Yeah. So they're saying twelve games is enough to, to to make a reasonable judgment. That's about 
the 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 bar the, takes the, the bar, luck the out mark. of it. Yeah, because then you know there's some teams Big that will sample size. Exactly, there'll be some teams that come back to the mean or have a really terrible stretch and that sinks their season right. over 12 games. But over, you know, mm-hmm. most of the time you'll know who's the who deserves to go in the NBA. It's 32, only 32 games. 32 games. And they play 82. Right. And we see that. We see that now. You look at, you know, why the heck is Charlotte playing 82 games a year? It, it, it's garbage basketball. And a lot of fans talk about that. It's great to watch playoff basketball. I, I, I felt this whole time, every time I missed a game, I said to myself, I wish I had watched that game. Right. I never say that during the regular season because it doesn't matter other than the occasional game between those teams you know are the best. Mm. Otherwise, they play way too many games. What There's too many the teams. NHL, or do they even care about the NHL? The NHL, I think, was something around 60 games. Really? Something like that. 32 for the NBA and yeah. 60 for the NHL. Yeah. That's an interesting statistic. Yeah. It's, it's still... I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me still. I think they do play too many games in the NHL, but... And there's too many te- I mean, multiply all of those teams by an 82-game schedule. Think of the inventory. Yeah. It's just more inventory than they need. I mean, I understand the notion of franchising. It's a 1960s, 1970s idea of, of using sports leagues like Kentucky Fried Chicken and having one on every street corner. And the more that you get, the more you can get for TV, etc. The TV dollars right now don't care if you're in Kansas City. They don't care if you're in Milwaukee. They care if you're in New York, Chicago, L.A., you know, those those kind of markets in Detroit. Think of the big TV markets. Uh, that's what they care about. So why aren't the leagues coming to reflect the reality of their broadcasts. Uh, the broadcast partners can't be happy with all this excess stuff. If you look at the NHL, they never put on half the teams in the league on, on the NBC package. They just completely ignore them. So what's mm-hmm. the point of maintaining these franchises? Put them in a second division. Yep. And if you get an owner who in a small market who wants to fund it and get back up to the top division like soccer, more's the power to them. To, to, to stay with the television comparable, it's, it's very similar to what's going on with satellite TV now right. and the packaging of channels. People are starting to cord cut because they say, well, I'm not going to pay for 190 channels, 180 of which I'm never going to watch. That's a good analogy. Can I steal that? Uh, well, you're going to have to, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to trademark. Can I, damn it. <laughs> I'll, I'll call my lawyer and trademark this as soon as you I You don't can. have a lawyer. Okay. Your lawyer is my lawyer and he's on my side. That's true. Yeah. Damn it. No, but that's a, that's a, that is a good analogy. We're we're reaching the point where people are cutting the cable and they're saying, "I don't need 110 channels. I just want 20." And I think sports is getting that way. And there's just too much product. And people, you know, in the summertime when you get some golf and you get some tennis tournaments, those are more than enough to to you know to get you by. You don't need to see all the extra stuff. I don't mind 162 games. I just think there's too many playing teams playing 162 games. And again, if you had fewer play, uh, fewer teams, more good players in each team, the way you do in Premiership soccer, you know, you'd end up. With- hey everyone, it's Reese talking. I just want to take a moment to plug a couple of our other podcasts. The first one is the Sound and Groove podcast, hosted by Evan. He breaks down the world of music, teaches you a little bit about the history of music. Guy has an encyclopedic knowledge, so I'm sure you'll learn a thing or two. The other podcast is On to Mike with Mace and Rice. That's hosted by CFL veteran Corey Mace, along with this beautiful guy right here. We talk about a few more of the gossipy stories in sports, off-the-cuff stuff, really fun, really funny. So we hope you tune in to either one of those shows. We hope you enjoy them. And now I will send you back to the show.
Uh, you are listening to uh, Not the Public Pro- Podcast. I'm Bruce Stobigan, along with. What? Oh, Reese Stobigan. Sorry. Quick on the uptake. Uh, yes, uh, so we're uh, we're talking a little bit of, uh, of about the NHL and the NBA. The other season that got underway recently, uh, the CFL. Uh, you're a former employee of a CFL team, so your heart is there to a certain extent. Uh, they don't you... pay me anymore, so I'm unbiased. And... But you can empathize. <laughs> you're still ha- I hear you're still hanging around the dressing room trying to get autographs. I was just down at the Calgary St. <laughs> Peter's dressing room yesterday, actually. They were very generous. Uh, uh, let uh, a volunteer of the Children's Wish Foundation go into the locker room and meet some players. And um, hey, man, if that's one thing about the CFL that that uh, that you just can't dislike, it's it's grassroots, man. They that's that's the way they operate. They're good to their fans, and they yeah. got great fan base, and they know it. Yeah. Uh, if TSN wasn't broadcasting the CFL, would there still be a CFL? I mean, I, what, what's your sense of what people feel about it? Because you and I are CFL fans. I, I watch the games. Uh, I don't necessarily attend, but I watch the games. But I just, wow. I, this, the Toronto thing this year, they've got it in the BMO field. I was there the other day when I was in Toronto. It looks great. But you, all, you get a desperate feeling about this, that if this BMO field thing in Toronto doesn't work out, that TSN is going to start really seriously looking at how much they pay for this, this, this sport. And if they're, not, if they're not floating the money, you're not going to see this league the way it is today. Yeah, it's... Um, I'm not saying they're at a crossroads, but it feels like they just took a, a right turn towards that crossroads. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, the product especially has not been particularly good over the last few years. Mm. I really think that, uh, obviously not the, the main factor, but a big factor was when the NFL expanded their rosters. Right. They essentially pilfered four or five of the, the you know top guys who otherwise would probably be in the CFL. They pilfered them. Those guys are now sitting on a bench making $250,000 a year. And getting on the pension if they last. And getting on the pension. So you see more games like the Stampeders 2018 game, uh, home op- um, uh, BC's, home BC, yeah, BC's home and op- home opener. So y- I think the problem for the Stampeders was they kept looking over at Wally coaching on the, on the Lions bench. I thought he was gone. He used to be our coach. Then he ret- what, what's he doing back? Hey. Watch your mouth. He's a legend. I think Wally's wife just told him, get out of the house. Yeah. Go I would back. Not, I would not be surprised. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Yeah, it's 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 like the NFL. It's a quarterback league. And, you know, Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, I guess, uh, how many quarterbacks have we got? When Ricky Ray plays, he's been around, but he's always hurt. Yeah. And uh, at this point, he's, you know, hasn't really been the same guy for years. I, yeah. I don't even think about him when I think about quarterbacks, honestly. Zach Caleros was making great strides last year, got mm-hmm. hurt, still isn't back. Uh, there's a couple of guys. They've got a lot of good college, uh, U.S. college quarterbacks who were up here. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah Masoli was playing the other day, the old Oregon uh, quarterback. There's tons of guys. Uh, Moniz, the former Hawaiian quarterback, was with the Stamps. He just got let go. But there's a bunch of guys up there. The guy from, from uh, Missouri, Franklin, the quarterback there. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of guys. But they, they still don't know how to play. They don't yeah. know how to play any better in the CFL than they did in the NFL, right? Well, I mean, we we've we spoke about this uh, before, and it, it, the transition from those top-tier college programs now to the CFL is a much more natural one because they've all been playing the spread. Mm. So, you know, over the last 10 years, the spread has pro- uh, proliferated into all these other teams at the top spread level. offense is what you're talking about. Uh, on Not offense, the point yeah. spread. Not the point spread. No, no, no. We don't talk about gambling here. There's, there's no a, gambling There's a sign in the front of this studio that says, you know, just like in baseball locker rooms, no gambling. Maybe you don't talk about that. <laughs> Um, the spread offense, obviously, uh, you know, now that all these top level college teams are using it, yep. 
it's a much easier transition for a guy like a Jeremiah Masoli or a Franklin uh, to come up to the CFL and play that style because it's it's more along the lines of a CFL offense. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, a uh, big complaint about the spread offense at the top level is that it's watered down and simplified. There's mm. a reason that a lot of people say it's harder than ever to find a NFL starting caliber quarterback from those big schools, and it's because of the spread. They're Our not playing offensive linemen too. Yeah, because yeah. they're not playing the pro. The 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 splits are different on the O line. Yeah. The reads are different. The routes are different. Um, heck, you just look at what you know Chip Kelly did it at uh, Oregon with the signs. Yeah, you know that's not how you call offense in the NFL. That's yeah. not how you call offense in the CFL. Hmm. And yet, now you see what the product is. These guys yeah. come up here and they're not as good as as we think they should be, even though. They're a little bit more in tune to the league, and I don't know. I think I think we'll reach a, a a breaking point here in the next few years, where hopefully before the CFL falls into the abyss of yeah. of you know uh, being a, such a poor product that it doesn't last. But there could be some quarterbacks who you know mm. coming out of high school, going into the top level college programs, are more versed in the spread than ever before, and thus they come up to the CFL and they're more versed in playing the spread, and all of a sudden they can produce right away. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, well, you're playing something of the spread up here, so I guess it is a good transition thing. Uh, I, certainly, I, I hope it works out for them. I hope that they find a, a niche. Uh, you know, the, the Toronto thing, as I say, is the big experiment. I have no idea. Calgary needs a new stadium. Uh, that's all tied up in the arena complex and all the debate about the arena uh, for the Calgary Flames because the Flames now own the Stampeders. So, Next. Yeah. But there's, listen, there's a lot of new stadiums. There's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff to like about it. I'm just not sure. And the other problem that I have is that I just, uh, and I've said this before, I think the TSN product is getting stale. Yeah. Uh, it's the same guys year in, year out. I mean, I love Schultz. He did death, Chris Schultz, but I don't think he has anything new to tell me he's got he's you know he hasn't reinvented himself uh and, and he's a great guy does good work to a certain extent uh, matt dunnigan's okay but uh, i don't i don't think that, there's a lot of yelling and there's a lot of squawking at me but i just don't get much behind the scenes stuff and you know their booth guys are okay i like chris cuthbert he's a pro but uh, there's some just something stale about it at the moment and they haven't really developed a new person on air they're trying to do that with milt stiegel but they're they just haven't developed a new person on air and i think that also is a little bit boring for fans Funny how the coverage of the CFL mimics so closely the problem with the CFL itself. They're not developing new stars. Yeah, uh, And it's tied up in TSN. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely a problem. I mean, you know, I know that, that we human beings were very nostalgic. And when you hear Chris Cuthbert call a game, it reminds you of all those other great games he's called over the years. But at some point... Can you, can... you believe? There you go. Rod Black. There's only so many times you can hear Rod Black <laughs> say yeah. what he says every week and, and just be able to stomach it. At some mm. point, I honestly tune them out. I Sometimes I'll watch a game with the volume really, really low because, mm. you know, I, there's there's nothing that they're going to tell me that that's new, like you said. Uh, and on top of that, there's not... I just... Hearing their voice mm. just reminds me of all these other calls they've said and things they've said that I was just like, what yeah. are they talking about? So... Yeah, it's it's tough. It's... I think I think the other thing is that uh, that uh, and I said this when TSN came to buy the rights on their own, and God bless TSN because this league wouldn't exist if it wasn't for yep. TSN. This isn't meant to be to, to criticize them, although their former executives certainly took umbrage when I mentioned this in the past when I wrote for the Globe and Mail. But at, at the end of the day, when when it's all one network, the other guys aren't going to carry water for you. Yeah, you know the the the, the 
Sportsnet people aren't going to go out and carry water for you. The global TV people aren't going to carry water for you. They'll report it, but when you have everybody having a piece of the action the way the NFL does, well, then you know, then all of a sudden you're getting you're getting the the message spread out. It's just as I say, there's too much concentrated into too few people right now, and and I I don't think anybody else is going to pony up the money. Maybe CBC would pony up some money to get yeah. a little bit of the product, but it's just it, it that's it's getting a little stale to me. Here's a question I'll throw back at you, though. <laughs> Similar to the NHL, I feel that because there's such a... In Canada, we're... You know, I love my country. We just had Canada Day. What a wonderful I hope day. Love I love my country. But we are not a large, important cultural center the way sometimes we might think we are. In sports... We are the play. We are the the birthplace of hockey, and and hockey is our sport. And we we you know we always care about winning hockey. But in the U.S., where there's however many times our population, and ten however times. ten however many times the number of, of TV outlets and radio outlets and and possible media exposure that can go go across the whole planet, nobody really cares. All right. And we have that problem in the CFL. To me. I often wonder maybe the growth potential of the CFL is simply it, there's just a ceiling. Yeah. And and we're, it's, it, it's never going to break through that ceiling and we're always going to have that Stampeders core fan base of 25,000 people and you're never going to really deviate more or less than that. Yeah. And that's sort of how I feel it is across the whole country. In Saskatchewan, everyone in the province loves them. That's religion. Yeah, yeah. It's, but in Toronto, it's always going to be yeah. fourth fiddle, you yeah. know. Uh, I, I just don't know what they can do that's ever really going to break through in a way that well, it's has... A star, it's a star-obsessed system, pro sports. These yeah. days. It's about stars, and the CFL doesn't have any, and the ones that it does have are kind of not very dynamic guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's Reese Dobigan. I'm Bruce Dobigan. You're listening to Not the Public Podcast. Uh, coming up, hopefully fairly soon, we're going to start doing some podcast action, we hope, on Sirius Channel 167. It'll be called The Full Count. I'll be doing interviews with people like Kevin O'Leary, Richard Pound, the IOC uh, 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 former director of WADA, the uh, drug agency, and lots, lots more. So uh, look for that. We'll have more information on that on the website. Uh, Final thing we should talk about, and I I love this. I love the event. I love the Euro. Love it more than I love the World Cup, frankly, because, you know, you don't have to watch North Korea or whoever they trot out from some other region. it looks like we're likely... We just lost all our listeners in, in South Korea. You <laughs> That's know that, it. right? The lights went out in Pyongyang right there. It uh, looks like we're going to have one, obviously, either of France or Germany, right? And then Portugal is also in there. So to a certain extent, form is held. But this tournament has seemed as if form never has been holding. I mean, mm-hmm. for, for a t- tournament in which we get these guys at the end, it's like, what happened? Yeah, it's been... A f- I, I think it's been a phenomenal tournament. Um you know, a lot of surprises and good surprises. No, you know, normally you don't want to see a tournament where uh, teams are just—it's just like it's bad soccer, and 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 teams are blowing games and things. Iceland beating England. I mean, as much as you might want to say England screwed that all up, Iceland earned that. Yeah. You know, they earned that game, and that was awesome. That was a that was an amazing unless you're scene. An English soccer unless fan, you're an English yes. soccer fan. But there you go. That's the legacy of fear that that's built up in England. I think that's a deeper seated issue than we have enough time to talk about. Uh, but in well, Iceland, explain what you mean by a legacy of fear. Well, you're talking about a, a, a nation that has not done well on the international stage lately. And lately, lately, uh, 
ever. I They've mean, been longer without a championship than the freaking Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's, 67 uh, for the Leafs, 66 for, for and, England. And that's a good comparable because you, uh, you, you reach a point where it's no longer just a, over the course of a decade fans being like, oh, boy, we can't get it done. It becomes generations. Yeah. So it goes from the parents saying, oh, my God, we can't get it done, to which their children are being raised, seeing their parents going, oh, we can't get it done. Mm-hmm. And those kids, all they know is that we can't get it done. And so then you have the players who are growing up. Deli Ali is like 20 years old. Yeah. I guarantee you when he was growing up, he was probably in some party somewhere watching a World Cup or a Euro Cup and people looking all around going, we can never get it done. And it becomes a mentality. Yeah, and the so, weight of expectation is exactly. very heavy. Yeah. Um, so I think that... The, Germany always finds a way. Right. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot more that obviously goes into that. Yeah. I don't think it's just that there's this... There's this fear, this palpable fear that keeps them from winning, but I think it certainly increases the pressure, it affects the expectations of the fan base, which affects the players and the media. It would help if they had one British team as opposed to England, Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland. Oh. Then they could at least have Gareth Bale as their striker. Yeah. And they could, you know, pick more guys. You don't see the French team, you know, Burgundy here and, and, and you know, Normandy there and having separate teams. Yeah. I mean, it, it really it really does hurt, I think, the English chances of winning. But that's, that's the choice they've made. Yeah. I, I, having Gareth Bale would not hurt. No. But they had, like, a, like a, you know, they what had What do you Harry... make of Wales? I think they got a shot, but... Uh... I think they have a shot against Portugal. I don't think they have a shot of winning the tournament. Um, you know, Portugal did not look that great in the group stage, to be yeah. quite honest. Ronaldo's touch wasn't there for the most part. And at the end of the day, if Bale is the talisman for Wales, Ronaldo's the talisman for mm-hmm. Portugal. They go as those two guys go for the most part. Uh, and Ronaldo's touch wasn't all there during the group stage. And they, I think they just got... Both those teams have come out of an easy bracket and had an easier road to get to the semifinal than France and Germany. Uh, you know, Germany had to go through Italy. That's not an easy game. And that went to penalties. And that's sort of the way it should have been with those two teams, the way they were playing. Uh, France had a bit of an easier road as well, but they, they still had to to bite and claw their way out of their group. They had some scares. I, so overall, I think it's been a great tournament. I think Portugal will probably pull it out, but... I'm just splitting hairs with that one. Yeah. And on the other side... Well, the theory being what? Portugal has an easier semi. The other semi, they beat each other up. Yellow cards, possibility. Maybe some guys hurt. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, it, it would take it would take some... Uh, the yellow cards won't, won't matter because they reset. So yeah. unless some guy goes out and gets a red card... A red card, yeah. Then they won't miss the final. So, uh, yeah... I tell you what, the Germany-France game is going to be... It's going to be a hell of a game. Um, those are two teams with a mm. lot of talent. Man, they're deep. Yep. And, uh... Don't like each other. They don't like each other. But Germany is also going into it pretty banged up. They lost yeah. Semi Kadira. He tore his uh, groin, I think. And yeah. he's a he's a world-class center uh, defensive midfielder. I mean, <laughs> mm. he started for Juventus, who's won five... You know, so, like... Losing that guy hurts, and then they lost. I think their striker Gomez he tore his hamstring, so he's yeah. out. Yeah. But if there's any team in the world that can replace those guys, it's it's a Germany, and mm. so it'll be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of expectation on France too, just because they're playing at home. Uh, well, the, I, good, the the good news is that uh, for for the uh, the France and Germany game in terms of red cards and guys getting uh, thought is that apparently uh, the FBI director is going to referee the game, so you know nobody's going to get in any trouble. There yeah. you go. On that note, I want to thank Reese Dovigan again, dropping by for one of our periodic visits here on Not the Public Podcaster. Anything, anything you want to flog? 
Uh, I don't got. You have five five words about the UFC this weekend. Uh, good fights this weekend. Fun. Is that five? Close enough. Okay. Brock Lesnar. That's about as good as Brock Lesnar can do, I guess. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Don't tell him I told you that. We'll talk to you next time on Not the Public Podcast.